You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Continuing our series uh, this week on the kingdom, and you know, we, we did a whole series on church from the beginning of the summer, really, in June, all the way through to just a few weeks ago, and Justin did something on kingdom, and I did the beginning of this series just two weeks ago, and so we're going to begin that uh, message today and continue talking about it, but before I get into that, I just wanted to bring a little more attention to the fact that tonight we're actually doing our very first in-person service in uh, the Sacandaga region, that's what we say because really it's a bunch of cities in that area. The location is actually at the Fulton County YMCA in Johnstown, and this is just going to be, we're doing it this month, we're doing one next month, and what we're doing is we're going to just see what happens, because, you know, we've got about 20 or so folks that are really on board and, and want to see a church started, but it takes workers, right? Um, if you come here at 9.30 or 9.20 in the morning, what you'll walk into is a large huddle, we call it, a big circle right there in the hallway, and there's probably at least 30 of us. And usually, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that we've been short every Sunday since COVID started. Um, it usually takes about 50 of us for this size church to serve on a Sunday morning to make everything happen that you see happen when you come here. And so for us to begin or to start a church somewhere else, we need to have a team, right? So we've been growing that team, and tonight is kind of a, uh, just a, a way to put out there, this is who we are as a church, this is what we're about, this is what we're like. And we're hoping to gather some people. So we have a team. Um, We're just doing the worship part. They're doing everything else. And we're going to go down right after service. We're going to jump in the the van. I don't know if it's still out there even, but we got a van and trailer loaded with some stuff. Um, And there's about a dozen of us maybe going. Actually, hey, if anybody just feels like they want to go for a good 13-hour trip, uh, you're free to join us. We could take the other church van too. And really, it is. It's almost four hours there through the mountains. Uh, We're going to set up, we're going to have service, we're going to worship, we're going to meet people, and then we're going to tear down and we're going to come home and hopefully be back by 1230. (laughs) Um, But you know what? The reason I'm bringing this up, I want to thank you to everyone who is involved. I couldn't mention everybody. Gabe specifically, though, Gabe Laramie, for always making sure that we have everything we need tech-wise. Josh is leading worship. Jeeves is going down. I think Elaine's going down. And a bunch of the tech guys... uh, Levi and my son and, and Jason, I can't remember who else is going, but whoever you are, you're wonderful. But listen, the reason we do this, why do we do this? The kingdom. It's not about NTC. It's not about just, in a sense, extending who we are or our brand. It's about reaching people for the kingdom of God. You know, I, I started this series with Matthew eleven twelve. It's in your notes. It says, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and the forceful claim it. The kingdom of heaven is advancing. The only way the kingdom advances is if we bring it somewhere. That's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about, we've been, we did this couple of weeks on what is the kingdom, just trying to wrap our mind around this idea that Jesus was presenting to a world that thought he was going to set up a new government, really something completely outside of their thinking. 
They thought he was going to set up a new government to overthrow the Romans. They thought he was going to act like a king that they understood and have laws like they understood. They had it in their mindset what Jesus was going to do, but when he comes, he doesn't act that way at all. And instead, he spends the whole time saying, this is what the kingdom is like. And most of those are through parables, and at the end of those parables, most people are confused. Not necessarily because they're confusing, but because it isn't what they wanted to hear. You know, too often, we, we look for information that's what we want to hear. You know that, right? So if you're on the internet and you're researching a subject, a lot of times you already know what you think. You just want to find people that think like you to support it. We do the same thing in Christianity. We've done the same thing in religion since the beginning of time. We come to God with an understanding of what he's like, and we just want evidence to support what he's like. Some of us, we, you know, today, even as we sang these songs, and as Heather kind of shared, um, as we transition, we come looking at this idea of a father God not being able to grasp what a father God is like. And so we have an idea of him maybe being a, just a rule keeper or a punisher or some guy who's just waiting for us to mess up and, and then we go through life and we just look at things that give us evidence to back that up. But yet Jesus comes and he basically is like, your mindsets are all wrong. I need to change this. In his teachings through these parables, he talks about this is what the kingdom is like. This is how it acts. This is what it is. And this is how it advances. And he talks about these things. And a lot of times they're very symbolistic, but we need to gather what is the kingdom. But now we have to ask, I want this question, where is it? And I want to start with this scripture, Luke 17, verse 20. You can turn in your Bibles with me or on your phone or it'll probably be on the screen behind us. And I want to start in verse 20. It says this, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? So they've been listening to him teach. They've been hearing him talk about the kingdom of God. And, you know, really the message that Jesus says is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I've preached the whole message on that, so it's not supposed to be some, some scary words. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's actually a good message. Repent means change your mind, change your direction. Stop looking at the way the world was and how you see it and now turn to the way the kingdom is. We're supposed to be looking for a different way of life, a different way of living, a different way of being human. This is what Jesus was presenting. And really, we, we can call it a different way, but I like to say this. It's the original way. It's the way he designed us to be. And so these Pharisees ask, when will it come? Jesus replies, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Another version says this, the kingdom of God is already within you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God resides in you. These are all ways to translate this word. So the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, you know, they're looking for this external thing to take place. 
They're looking for this external idea really to solve their problems. But Jesus then says, it's not an external problem. It's not even an external thing. Actually, the kingdom is within you. You know, you can't control anything in life but yourself. And even we do that poorly. As I swore in my message two weeks ago. We live under this illusion that if we could just control our outside circumstances, our externals, that life would be better. So we look at not having enough money and we think if I just had more money, things would be better. Or we look at this issue within a relationship and we would just think if that person would be different, things would be better. And, or we look at the, our government and the world and if those politicians just weren't in power, everything would be better. And we're always looking for some external solution. But Jesus challenging even them in that day and us in our day to say, no, really, the solution to everything is within you. Because you see, when the kingdom of God comes, when the kingdom of God is within our lives, when the kingdom of God is over us, that's when we actually get to see the promises that God's spoken about. The healing that we prayed about and declared today and spoke about, the healing we believe is possible for people. You know, I recently, in just the last two years, as I've really read more about the kingdom, I, as I pray for people, I, I try to think about the Our Father prayer, right? It's just our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And so when I pray, I pray this almost over every person. God, let your kingdom come in their life. Because when his kingdom shows up, whoever else's kingdom we're living in doesn't have room anymore. And so sickness has no room in our life. Anxiety has no room in our life anymore. Depression and, and all the things that we've been living under and and it doesn't have room anymore when the kingdom of God comes. But the real difficulty is allowing it. It's a constant battle, really, to let the kingdom of God reside within us, to let his thinking reside within us, to let his love reside within us, to let his teaching and truth and knowledge reside within us, rather than what has been put on us by the world our whole lives. And so when Jesus says, listen, you're not going to be able to say, oh, there's the kingdom or here it is, but it's actually within you. We have to take really serious notion of the fact that if the kingdom is going to be extended, it's only going to happen one way. Us. See, the kingdom isn't going to advance without people advancing because the kingdom is in you. If it's not outside us and it's within us, it only goes where we go. I think this is the plan of Jesus. It's why even as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven from his disciples, he says, listen, it's better for you that I go. Because I will send another, the advocate, who is the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will teach you all things. He will show you all things and he will remind you of all things I have taught you. And There's this idea that the Holy Spirit's going to come and reside in us, that the kingdom is going to reside in us, and now the job that Jesus was doing is our job. The kingdom advances because we go somewhere. So I drive down to the Sacandaga region and sometimes it's a beautiful drive and sometimes through the winter it's a terrible drive. 
And I drove down there actually last winter and I got caught in one snowstorm coming up, coming back actually. I was coming up in Indian Lake and Blue Mountain Lake and, and uh, I took a little video, which is probably a really dumb idea, as I was driving, you know. And you know, it just looks like, uh, not Star Wars, but what's the, Star, is it Star Wars or Star Trek? They both do the same thing, don't they? You know when they go into light speed and it's just like shooting at you? Come on, we all think that when we're driving in snowstorms. So I took this little video, and when I got home, I texted the video to our friends in Portland. I said, um, uh, extending the kingdom in the North Country looks like this. And they said, glad you're doing it. Because <laughs> when I'm doing that, when I'm driving or I'm going places, I'm thinking to myself, I am going to bring the kingdom of God wherever I go. I'm going to extend it wherever I go. And, and yeah, it's, it's as serious as planting a church in another region, but it's as simple as going to Walmart. It's as simple as noticing someone in pain and in difficulty and going over there and serving them. Taking care of your neighbor across the road. Loving on that person that no one seems to care about. Everywhere we go, we can bring the kingdom. But we have to choose it. So Jesus is challenging them. He says, it's in the midst of you. It's within you. It's not just something on the outside. 1 Corinthians 3.16 is a scripture that I think kind of relates to it. And it says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You know, we talked about the church and the kingdom. And, and really, I, I kind of like to say it this way. The church is just the vehicle for the kingdom. The church is just you. You are the vehicle for the kingdom. And the reason that you're the vehicle for the kingdom is because God has made his home in your life. John 14, Jesus says, if you obey my commandments, my Father and I will come and reside in you. We'll make our home within you. That sounds good to me. I'd like to have God living within me. I'd like to have Jesus living within me. Because you want to know why? It makes me a better me. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better friend. It makes me a better pastor. It teaches me to love well, to care well, to serve well. When Jesus resides in me, I am something that I cannot be on my own. And when we actually begin to act like that, and when we go out realizing that the temple of the Lord is within us, that the kingdom is within us, well, then the world around us changes. You, you see, I think the trap sometimes is we really just work really hard on the externals. You know, up until like seven years ago, I never had to think a bit about what I ate at all. As a kid, in fact, I could not gain weight if I wanted to. I played hockey uh, for SUNY Fredonia. And the guy would take me to the training room and he'd say, Hurlbut, why are you so light? Eat some food. I'm like, I do eat. They literally put me on a weight gain program when I was in college. Anybody wish they could do that now? And then somewhere in there I got married, and I don't know what happened after that. But now I have to think about it. 
I have to think, oh, I can't eat this much. And, and I spend all this time worrying about my external. I, well, what do I look like in this shirt? Is everyone going to think I look fat today? I know, doesn't it sound terrible? But yet, we spend so much time trying to change our life or world from the outside, we don't realize that really what needs to change is the inside. And when we change within the inside, something changes on the outside. You see, really, the issue isn't necessarily just, I, you know, I get heavy when I eat. It's that I really eat too much food. And so my mindset has to change. You don't need this much food. You know how people are like, oh, I hate eating so much when I get, like, I've heard people say, I feel so stuffed, I ate too much. I'm like, that's what I go for every dime. I don't even know if I'm full until I feel that way. But my mind had to change. That's unhealthy, Greg. Don't eat that much food. And so until my mind began to change, could I actually control a little bit of my exterior? The same is true in life. You see, the battle that we have to win if we want to see the kingdom advance, not just in the world around us, but actually in the world within us, is letting God do something inside us. It's letting sometimes Jesus come into your life and actually rebuke you. I hate that word. But I'm telling you, you know what rebuke actually means? It, it's kind of got a picture. It's like a swift kick in the pants. It's a prodding. It's a challenge. And I'll tell you what, we need challenge in our life. We need, Je now listen, it's not for all of us to do to each other. But I want to let Jesus put his finger on my life and say, you're thinking wrong here. You know that person that you've been dealing with, that you've forgiven a hundred times and now you're just like, screw that, you're not doing, I'm not doing it anymore? Yeah, I say that in my head. Jesus comes and says, wrong thinking, that's not my kingdom. I can't tell you how many times that I've come to a place with someone where I've just, in my head, wanted to write them off, and just at the moment that Jesus challenges me in that, something changes in them. You know, there's this um, movie going around about addiction called Chasing the Dragon. Has anybody ever seen it? It's, it's, if you want to grasp the horror of addiction, you should watch this movie. It's, it's a documentary. But one of the things that they talk about on there is the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And I love this, that secular world has discovered a kingdom value. Because a kingdom value is the opposite of these sins or these difficulties or these places where we're missing in life. It's not the just sobriety or the opposite of lying is not lying or the opposite of swearing is not swearing. It's not it. The opposite is actually connection. Now, this is what I would say the step needs to go further. Connection with God. If we want to see the kingdom extended in our life first, we have to let him in. We have to connect with him. We have to let him literally make his home in our heart. 
Now that sounds so pleasant, doesn't it? But let me also tell you this. Have you ever had someone come to live with you? Everybody that's married? How fun was that the first year or so? I can't tell you how many fights I got in over the dumbest things. Closing the mirror doors. I mean, I don't know why. They have hinges. They go both ways. Can't we just close it? I never seen so much hair in a drain. Whole milk is the only milk you drink. Who buys skim? All the important things me and my wife thought about. Let someone come and live in your house and you realize real quick how you want everything to be just the way you want. Let Jesus come and live in your life and you'll find out real quick how you just want life just the way you want. The kingdom has to start within us. Even as we believe that God wants to advance his kingdom in this world and to change society and to change hearts and minds and for these big and wonderful things to happen, revival and awakenings of people, the only way it happens is because it first happens within us. We have to let him make his home in our life. We might have to let him rearrange the furniture a little. He might even have to throw a few pieces out. But when he comes and makes his home, his life within us, that's when the kingdom becomes reality in the world. You know, today, or this last week, Jessica has been gone to Uganda. She went with Kayla to, to bring her there, and um, this is probably the longest I've gone without Jessica with all my kids. And I know that sounds like, I'm not whining, right, or anything, but I'll just be honest, it's not easy for me to take care of all my kids. I actually, wonderful Barb Barkley and Elaine Kesner, like Barb asked me, what's one of the things that stresses you out? Or I was telling her one of the things that stresses me out the most is food. When I look at a fridge, I'm just like, what is this stuff? Grilled cheese and eggs, that's what I know. And so some people made me wonderful food for the last week. But listen, as, as she's been gone... I got totally off track and forgot where I was going with this. Oh, yeah, I remember now. As she's been gone, I, I went to school, and the other thing that I'm terrible at is doing my daughter's hair. And so I literally warn her teachers at school. My daughter, Mara, you know, she's in an ABA program, so she has one-on-one -on -one aides all day. And so I, I go to the school, and they pick her up at the door, and, and I go in, and I warn them. I said, listen, my wife's leaving next week, so don't make fun of the clothes she wears and what her hair looks like. And I usually say, and you could fix her hair if you want, you know, and they laugh at me because they know me over the years now. Whenever Jessica's gone, I'm like, please do something for her hair. I can comb it. That's it. Um, and so as I was going in, I said, you know, I said, my wife's going to be gone for eight days. And they said, oh, where's she going? I said, Uganda. And they said, oh, my gosh, she's going to, why is she going to Uganda? And so I explained why. And they're just like, you can see it in their face. It doesn't make sense. You see, the world should wonder why we do the things we do. Not in a weird way, but in a way that challenges the fact that they're living maybe just a little for themselves. Because that's the way we used to live. 
But when we actually get outside ourselves and we let the kingdom of God, kingdom of God come within us, changes from the inside, we begin to live differently from the outside, and then the world goes, what's that over there? It's why the crowds follow Jesus. In fact, if you read Jesus' sermons, they're not all that great. Sermon on the Mount's good. You know, I'd put it up there. But these parables, they're confusing. One time Jesus actually turns, says he sees the crowds following him, and he says, unless you forsake your mother and your father and take up your cross, you cannot follow me. Unless you hate your mother or hate your father, you cannot be my disciple. And they're like, what? And then he goes, well, if that's not enough, unless you eat my blood, or unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. And then they're like, whoa, okay. I mean, I know we all think this is holy as we take communion 2,000 years later, but at the moment, he sounded cannibalistic. But the crowds didn't follow him just because of his words. They followed him because of his actions. They followed him because everywhere he went, he brought the kingdom of God, and there was incredible miracles. People set free from demons. People healed of sicknesses and illnesses. Leprosy just gone. And people would say, I, I used to be this, and now I'm this. I was laying on this sidewalk for 38 years of my life without my legs working, and now God is, Jesus came and healed me. So people went because they wanted to see what was different about this person. People should feel that way about us. Why does their life look different? Why aren't they full of fear in these moments of COVID and in the world in turmoil? Why aren't they living in fear? Maybe they're still concerned, but they're not controlled by it. Why is their life like that? Oh my, how, how come they can have peace and comfort in the midst of losing a loved one without understanding why? How can they still have peace in the midst of that? This is what the kingdom of God should look like. What stops the kingdom from advancing if it's within us? We do. What stops the kingdom from advancing? Only we do. You know, Jesus, one of his last words, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given unto me. I think that's probably the most difficult scripture for me to wrap my mind around. Because when I hear that, I think that when I pray, what I pray should happen. I think that when I pray over my daughter for healing, she should be healed. And when she's not, I go, where's your authority at, Jesus? <laughs> and we live in this weird in-between of believing what God has spoken and believing that his kingdom is within us, but also not always seeing it happen. If you want great answers to that, I don't know them, but I know who my God is. I know who Jesus is. I know his character and his goodness so much that even when I don't understand seeing something take place or not seeing something take place, I can look back at who he is and what he's done and be reminded of his promises for eternity. And so we have to look at ourselves and say, God, if, if you want the kingdom to advance, I don't want to be the one to stop it. First, that's for us as individuals, but it's also for the world around us. God, I don't want the kingdom to stop advancing in my life just because you're uncomfortable and rearranging me. 
Jesus, I don't want the kingdom to stop advancing in this world simply because it's too uncomfortable for me to go outside my comfort zone, to go to another place and, and, and help see a church started, or to, to just go across the street and bless someone, or to, to do something outside there. I don't, we have to not be the ones stopping the kingdom. It doesn't always mean it'll happen perfectly. I wish it did. I don't always see it. But what I know is this. I don't want to be the reason it didn't happen. I'm going to pray even if I don't know if it's going to take place. I'm going to believe in faith for healing even if I don't know if that healing is going to happen. I'm going to believe for relationships to be restored even if it might not take place. Because I want to be the one extending the kingdom and not be the one stopping the kingdom. I wanted to highlight one thing this morning before we end about what can stop the kingdom from advancing within us and around us. Luke 17, 4. Same chapter we were reading in at the beginning. If you roll back just a little ways. Verse 5. Actually, we've got to back up a little bit. We'll just start at verse 1. One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. And if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Matthew 18. I'm going to turn there and then we're going to talk about this. Verses 21 through 35. It's a parable. It says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Sound familiar? Peter thought he knew what he was talking about. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So Jesus is making a point here. It's not the literal number, 490 times per day. It's always forgive. See, Peter had probably listened to what he had said in Luke about forgiving seven times a day, and Peter wanted to sound smart. So he asks him a question and then answers it before Jesus does. He says, seven times? Jesus says, no. Seventy times seven. And then he goes on to share this parable, and we're going to end with this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. You know, the Greek there is actually translated 10,000 talents or 340 metric tons of silver. It was millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. So listen, let's just pay attention here real quick. The guy kneels before him and says, listen, please be patient, I will repay it. 
says the master had mercy on him not to get paid back, but he actually forgave it. He literally just forgave millions of dollars worth of debt because the guy asked. But it says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is some harsh stuff. There's two parts I want to highlight here. You know, as you walk down the hallway and as you come in our building, we say these three things. Know God, love one another, make disciples. And, and just, I always say this, to, to understand making disciples the easiest way possible, it's this. Doing for others what God has already done for you. That's what you, how you make a disciple. If God's done something for you, you can now do it for others or help others experience that same thing. So here's this story of a king who forgives debt, but yet the guy refuses to forgive debt for him. And we hear these extremely harsh consequences. But that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I think that probably one of the greatest things that holds us back as individuals in allowing the kingdom to advance within us and then honestly, probably one of the biggest things that, did, that you know, makes it hard for the kingdom to even extend outside of us and advance in this world is unforgiveness. We hold our debts over people. Or we hold debts over others. How they've wronged us, what they've done to us, what they've owed us, what they haven't done. Many of us could, could honestly say we have a, a proverbial list in our minds of all the things that have been done to us that we didn't deserve. Yet Jesus comes on the scene and in more than one place he challenges people on this idea of forgiveness. This is one way the kingdom of God can come within us. If we don't know how to forgive, if we can't find this place of forgiveness, brothers, now listen, forgiveness doesn't mean permission that something was okay. I know that's a, a struggle for us. It's like if I forgive them, it's like, you know, they don't even get in trouble for it. That's not up to you. You know, we've all heard it said, forgiveness Holding unforgiveness is really holding yourself in prison, not the other person. And I believe that if we want to see God extend his kingdom in this world and within us as individuals, we have to be a people who are marked by forgiveness everywhere we go, no matter how wronged we have been. And I think this is probably one of the most difficult things for us to do. 
especially the closer the relationship. The more we expect someone to to act in love and to act in honor and respect and then they don't and, and it just somehow digs this wound in us and we hold it against them, yet Jesus is literally saying, if you don't, the Father in heaven cannot forgive you. Another scripture, Matthew 16, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, your Father will not forgive your sins. Our forgiveness of others releases forgiveness over ourselves. I know every person in this room, every person watching online, has someone in their life that they struggle to forgive. Every person. If you've been alive for a little while, it doesn't even have to be long. My kids hold grudges over each other. They're seven years old. We have to let God bring forgiveness within us. Now listen, I know that some of the pain and hurt can, is indescribable. Yet this is what is incredible. Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and literally will help us to forgive. You don't even have to do that on your own. But it is a choice we have to make. It's a step that we make as Christians or as followers of Christ to say, listen, I don't feel this, I don't want this, I don't know how to do this, but I'm gonna step forward and I'm gonna choose forgiveness. Why don't we stand this morning? I believe every person wants God more in their life. They might just not know it. And even as Christians, I know that many of us have known God for a long time, but the truth is there's always more for God to do within us. There's more of his kingdom to be extended within us and around us. And I think this is just one real practical, real way to let the kingdom of God within you even more is by forgiving. And so I want to leave you with this question as I pray to end. Who is God calling you to forgive today? And my challenge would be, take a step to do it. Send a letter. Send a text. Make a phone call if you can. Maybe it's forgiveness for someone who you can't even get in contact with anymore. Say it to yourself. Say it in a prayer. Do something to release that person, to release that situation. Do something to release yourself. Maybe it is forgiveness for yourself. Maybe it's forgiveness over what kind of parent you've been or what kind of friend you've been or what kind of spouse you've been. There's forgiveness for yourself for that too. Who is God calling you to forgive today? Take a step to do it. I'm gonna pray. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for what you're doing in us. God, we thank you even as we took communion today and we're reminded of that price you paid on the cross. Father, we, we thank you for that reminder today, but God, we ask for more. God, we don't wanna just be Christians who go to church. We don't wanna be just those full of knowledge, God, but we wanna be those full of your kingdom. God, that we let your kingdom come and reside within us, really getting into every area of our lives, God. We don't want to let even one space within us remain untouched by you. So God, I pray right now, challenge us. Kick us in the pants a little bit. Wake us up a little bit, Jesus. 
Put your finger on our lives a little bit. Let us be challenged a little bit today to let your kingdom grow within us. God, not just for ourselves, but so that when we go out in the world, that's what people see. That they'll see your kingdom. They'll see your goodness. They'll see your love. They'll see your reflection, Jesus. Father, I ask right now that you would just bless every person online. You'd bless every person in this room, God. Every situation that's taking place in their lives that's difficult and hard. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come. God, we ask for miracles to come in people's lives. We ask for your kingdom to be extended in this world, in our lives, and in our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed today, and we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.